my name's Todd. And this is Kathy. Welcome back to Zen Parenting Radio. This is podcast number 458. Why listen to Zen Parenting Radio? Because you'll feel outstanding. And I always remember our motto, which is the, the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. On today's show, we have two different topics that we're going to try to interweave together, I think, sort of, kind of, maybe. Yep. Uh, one is, um, if you're listening to this well after we record, it's uh, we're recording on Monday, September 24th. Uh, the podcast is going to come out tomorrow, September 25th of 2018. And um, the big kind of Washington, D.C. news story, and we're not going to make it about that, but just as a frame of reference, um, Dr. Christy Blasey Ford, is that her name? Uh, Christina Blasey Ford, Christina, thank Mm -hmm. you, uh, is going to testify in two days uh, to the members of the Senate committee regarding um, the uh, allegation towards uh, Supreme Court nominee Brett Kavanaugh. Mm -hmm. So um, we're not going to make it about that specifically because most of the time people listen to this well after the fact. This is more about the idea of why women won't come forward. I've had actually had multiple conversations with men and even questioned myself. I have, we've, we've talked about this on yes. the podcast of, I remember when Harvey Weinstein came out and Ashley Judd did her thing and I'm like, God, these are such strong women. How come they don't come forward? And you said that about Gwyneth and about Gwyneth, Angelina Jolie. Yes. Yeah. Right. Um, and then in addition to that, you and I had a long conversation on Saturday night. You're reading a book by Gemma Hartley mm-hmm. named, called Fed Up. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's about emotional labor. I actually just started reading it and it's uh, really uh, thought provoking. Mm-hmm. That's the best word I can I can use. Well, and I asked her when she emailed and said, should I send one copy or two? I said, send one for me and send one for Todd. And because- I, I'm only, I'm halfway through the first chapter, okay. but I have underlined quite a bit. Yeah. One, because, and I usually leave my, uh, uh, my tribe men's group topics t- secretive, um, just because I don't want the guys to know what we're talking about when they show up, but I'm going to let the cat out of the bag and we're going to specifically talk about, (laughs) specifically talk about emotional labor. And, um, I hope the guys all show up in my living room because it's going to be a really challenging, important topic. Well, and maybe this discussion then is a good lead into that because it is, um, you know, I feel like Todd and I, in the last six months, we could probably count about 12 shows where we've talked about emotional labor, but we're not talking about the exact same thing every time, no. is it shows up in a million different ways. And also the part about what's happening with the Supreme Court nominee, and by the way, her name is not Christina, it's Christine. Oh, thank you. I want to make sure we say her name right, um, is that it's about really just shifting our perspective and recognizing why we think the way we think men and women mm-hmm. this is this is not just gender specific to men but i feel like in the situations we're talking about today it, it is. And um, I don't know if there was something you wanted to start with, but I had something that I wanted to share. Um, the only thing that I want to make sure I get in sure. is a quick blip. Um, that uh, guy on CNN who... Did oh, Charles the, Blow? Yes. Yes. That you uh, shared on our Zen Parenting page. Yes. Let's definitely... Let's get to that, okay. um, but not right this second. No problem. Um, but yes, because that is powerful. Um, I wanted to share something that um, our friend, uh, Dr. Alexandra Solomon, shared this morning. 
morning. Um, it's a post. It's I don't know if it's a friend of hers or someone she knows, or but she shared this on her page this morning. And it it's kind of a good lead in to what we're talking about. So it's kind of a long story. So I'm going to paraphrase it. Um, but the it says, okay, and this is a woman who wrote this. So um, Ali Solomon reposted this and the woman wrote this. She said, I'm at the airport working on my laptop, sitting near a guy I just met at a conference this weekend. He and I were both invited speakers and he was waiting for his flight home too. And then another guy comes in and sits across from us. He starts talking. He's talking a lot. He finds out we were speakers at the conference about trauma, theology, sexual abuse, and the church. He thinks this is really interesting. He's into theology and trauma. He asks what my degrees are in. Then he launches into expl- uh, into explanations about his belief and that everything happens for a reason and that the universe is filled with forces that even out every wrongdoing and that everyone is where they're supposed to be at all times and that everything good comes from everything bad and so on. I listen and ask him questions and let him know kindly that I disagree. Did slavery happen for a reason? Has the Native American genocide been evened out? Was that woman really supposed to be in that room where she was raped? We argue. He works hard to show me that he's right. I continue to listen, but then I just look down at my laptop. My work isn't getting done. I say, I understand your perspective, and I disagree. He he reiterates his points and why he's right, and then says, it was great talking to you. I'm going to catch my flight. So this is the important part. Then this brilliant thing happened. My new friend who's sitting next to me, the other guy Mm -hmm. that was at the conference, leaned forward to the other guy about before he walked away and said, dude, you totally missed an opportunity. You had an expert in theology and trauma sitting in front of you. You say you're interested in it, but you didn't ask her a single question. You didn't try to learn anything from her. You know she has advanced degrees and is published, but you just tried to show her that you know more about this than she does. Mm-hmm. You missed out. Big fail. And then this guy, I'll reiterate so I don't have to keep reading, or not reiterate, I'll explain. He basically says, oh, yeah. And he sat down and he said, oh, you know, okay, tell me the things you know. <laughs> and she said, you know what? You have to get on a flight. I have to work. You know, that that opportunity out. has passed. Right. But I think that is a, and why I like starting with that story is these are everyday occurrences. Right. Right. And a lot of times people refer to this as mansplaining. Mm-hmm. And I know that people get really offended by that word, so we don't have to use it, but I think sometimes people don't know what that means. Mm-hmm. And here's the important thing about this guy who came and shared his opinion. I'm sure if we were to take that guy aside and say, dude, why didn't you ask any questions? He would probably start saying things like, I have a right to share my opinion. I study my things too, and maybe I don't study what she does, but I have a right to say what I believe, and I have a right to believe what I believe. And he does. Yeah. The big changes, and this is the shift that I want to talk about on this show, is where did the belief come from that you have a right to share and override other people and that your opinion is more valuable than others and that you somehow know more than this person or need to demonstrate that you do? Mm. So I want to go, like, if you can get a visual in your head, Todd, there's the beliefs we carry. Yeah. And then beyond that is the reason we carry the beliefs mm. we carry. That's the place I want to go. You want to go deep, deep, deep undercover. Exactly. Because that's the place that we need to question. Mm-hmm. That's the shift that needs to occur. Because the truth is, this man has every right to his opinion. Like, when, whenever we're like saying, well, you need to shut up and you need to stop talking. No, he doesn't. He has a right to his opinion. But his opinion is formed and 
informed by things that maybe needs to be questioned, mm-hmm. like his belief that this woman sitting in front of him who actually just spoke at a conference about the things he's, I'm putting in this in air quotes, studying, right. that he somehow needs to convince her of his perspective. Yeah. When he actually had an opportunity to say to this woman, and here's the, here's what I want to call this show, tell me, mm. tell me what you know. Well, it's funny what I, in preparation of this podcast this morning, I was going through some old notes that I have. I have a Google document folder that has a whole bunch of stuff on me too. Like that's what I titled the document back in October of 2017. You just keep adding to it, don't you? It's one of the longest, you know, I have whole, all these different topics and I just, whenever I have an idea or I see an article or I see a YouTube clip, I just add to it in preparation of the show or maybe when I get a chance to speak to somebody. And one of the things that I wrote down was, um, and this is to talking to the men, Okay, listen to women, talk to men. And the example that Dr. Solomon just shared, Uh that you just shared, was it was a perfect example. One is that the guy did not listen at all. No. He didn't ask questions. He had an expert in front of him. He wanted to stand on his soapbox and tell you, tell her everything that he knew. Mm -hmm. What's interesting is the guy next to her did exactly that. Exactly. He talked to men. If she said, listen, I'm an expert, come talk to me, it would have probably been... He would have offended him. Yeah, it would not have been a uh, positive, productive interaction. So this is where the men come in. Guys, this happens at airports. This happens at your dinner table. This happens in your conference rooms. It is our responsibility to speak up for not women, for balance, for equality. So I just thought that that was an interesting quote that I was going to share, and your example is a perfect illustration of that. And she ends with that quote. She says, this was, for me, an awesome experience of a man using his male privilege to call BS on another man's entitlement and sexism in a way that redirected the power and dignity and honesty back to me. Mm -hmm. Because, and and he didn't say... Listen to all women, kind of like a, oh, we need to help you. It was a very even playing field Mm. of, dude, you've got an expert in front of you. You just missed a total opportunity to learn and to listen. Right. And I would err on the side of the the technique that that man did. Yes. Uh, But there's also people out there that are just fighters. Yes. There's men and women that are just fighters and they don't want to be politically correct. And they don't. And and I'm here to say to those people, keep doing that. It's just, but for me, I'm more like, how can I most concisely leverage the situation as quickly as possible. Well, and the way I would do that is the way that this guy did it. Um, and I'm not saying go like, you know, drop below the line and shout profanities at the other guys. I'm, I'm more or less just saying there's a part of me that thinks that everybody should be the way that I should be. And I guess I'm just trying to make space for for the people that, that don't do it like that mm-hmm. to just I don't know if I'm explaining this well. Well, basically you're saying there are some people that just go straight to an argument yes. and they don't know how to take a breath and step because back and say... Because sometimes that's what has to happen. Right. And and I love the way he did it because that could have been three women, that could have been two men and a woman, that mm-hmm. could have been three men. All he was saying was there's an expert in front of you, regardless of gender. Yeah. You just had an opportunity to be like, oh my gosh, I just read this book. Do you know about this? And and what do you think about this? And again, it's the, you know, hopefully the title of this podcast, like, tell me, tell me, 
tell me what you know. And, and, and it doesn't mean he can't share his opinion, mm-hmm. but the belief beyond the belief that needs to be questioned is that you're always right. Mm-hmm. And you know what? There could be some, um, this may not be gender specific. There could be some men thinking right now, well, I know some women who always think that they tell me, they tell me yeah. what to do and that they're always right. But the, the reason that this topic is important for now mm-hmm. is because one of the things that um, came up this weekend, I feel like there was so much news this weekend. I'm telling you, there used to be a time when there would be like no news on Sunday boring. and Saturday. Sometimes and boring is good. I know. I, I kind of miss boring. Um, but one of the things that came up, I think it was on Friday, was uh, a tweet that came out questioning you know, Dr. Blasey Ford, but also specifically saying if it was this bad, if the assault was this bad, then the FBI or it would have been reported or her loving parents would have reported it. It was a really condescending thing. Ignorant. Ignorant. And, it, you know, why? And so a tweet store or, a you know, a, a viral response. What am I? Yeah. What is it called? Oh, a hashtag mm-hmm. became viral. And the hashtag was why I didn't report. Mm-hmm. And thousands and thousands of women and men. Yep hashtagged why they didn't report. And so why I'm saying, you know, what, and the person who sent that tweet doesn't have the capacity to do this, but other people could consider asking, tell me why Mm -hmm. you didn't report. What don't I know? When there is a group of, and I will be gender specific right now, when there is a group of men telling women what they should have done when something happened to them, by another man or how it should have played out or how they should have felt. That is an extreme version of this airport situation. They're telling us what we should have done, how we should have done it and how it should have played out when they're the perpetrators of not them specifically, but you know what I mean? You are the perpetrator of this crime and then you're telling me Mm -hmm. how I should have handled it and you have no idea about all of the other landmines that are at play when I I am sexually assaulted. You don't understand how the police respond to me. You don't understand that I would lose my my status at school. My my parents may not believe me. So what you're talking about is the cost and I do want to talk about that. Yeah, the cost. So the whole... Me too, time's up, why I didn't report and stuff is so layered or yes. there's so many different aspects of yes. it. And we can go in 80 different directions Correct. on today's podcast. I want to focus on the people, I'm not going to say men, but the people who don't understand why people don't come forward. Okay. Okay. We all right with that? Yep. And I actually sifted through a few different of the hashtag why I didn't report tweets. Okay. Um, do you mind if I read sure, a few go of ahead. them? One, actually, I found one of the top ones was from Cheryl Strayed, as yes, a matter of fact. Yes. So I'll start with hers. Cheryl Strayed is uh, a friend of ours, I guess. We She was at our conference last year. And um, this is what she added on the hashtag, be, um, why, why I didn't, I didn't report. report. Because I was sexually abused at such a young age, I didn't even know it was a crime. I didn't have the language to say what was happening to me. Later as a teen, the sexual harassment and coercion of girls and women was seen the norm, not something to report. Correct. Right? Her grandfather sexually abused her. Uh, This is another one. He was from some other, you know, random person. He was my father and I thought I had to protect the family from scandal. He disowned me for my unwillingness to actively lie about it, pretend all was fine. This is my first public statement of it and it terrifies me even though he's long dead. Mm. And, And these are heavy and they're impactful, at least for me. And um, I just, it's important for the guys 
who don't want who just want to read the headlines mm-hmm. and they don't get to this part of it. Or here's here's the thing about this show. Mm-hmm. Or they just decide in their own head mm-hmm. with their lack of information about this topic yeah. how it should have gone. Yeah. She should have done this because that's what I would have done. And not understanding that a woman's life is so different than a man's life. And that's what we've always, that's what we've talked about on this show since day one, is not about better or worse, not about good or bad, but different. Our lives are different. And then then you take it to the next step. People of color, their life is different. A woman who is a person of color, her life is different. A Native American person. So this is what this show is about, is recognizing that what's going on in our mind about here's what you should do. Mm -hmm. You have no idea of this person's experience. Yeah. And you get the opportunity, like airport guy, mm-hmm. to say, tell me, yeah. instead of why didn't you? So go on with these tweets. So this is, maybe I'll end with this one, because it's I, I for me, it's particularly impactful. Um, she said, I was 14, he was 17. He was the cutest boy at nerd Absolutely. camp. Absolutely, I felt special because he noticed me until he climbed on top of me and held me down. Camp administrator said I was being dramatic and besides, camp was almost over. They didn't even send him home. Absolutely. So this is the reason that, first of all, I can't speak for for women, um, but I think the reason that women don't come out is because it happens enough times and there's, there's no accountability. Mm-hmm. Nothing is going to change. So it's just like... Every experience reinforces the narrative that there's nothing that would come out of it if they did say something. Why would I trash myself? Because that's not my intention. But when you come out and say, this happened to me, there is a feeling that people will look at you different. And if you actually uh, say something, like let's say it's in school and you say something about another student, Mm -hmm. and especially if that student is an athlete Mm -hmm. or someone that people think is popular or cool... Then people take a side, yeah, and you end up losing your own reputation. Looking like, and again, this isn't truth, but this is what girls that I work with and women that I work with say: you feel damaged, mm-hmm. you feel that people don't see you the same way, and everybody turns on you and supports the person who who assaulted you. Yeah. So why would you put yourself through that? And here's the thing: there are obviously there are not just men who are saying. Why didn't you report? There are plenty of women, especially women in my generation and then older. And the reason that a lot of women are saying, this happened all the time, this is no big deal, she needs to get over it, is most likely because they grew up in the patriarchy like I did, and they do normalize it. We are a product of our time. So it happened to us too. I mean, I said to Todd, I said, um, every, you know, pretty negative experience that I had personally was with people I was dating. Yeah, it's not the scary guy behind the dumpster waiting to jump out at you. Correct. It is somebody you know. Exactly. Somebody that you see at school. You care about and somebody that maybe is in your social circle or someone. It's very... It's not what you think it is. No. This is not the story of the 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 guy hiding behind the bush. These are... And we often don't have words for it because it's been so normalized. Like I have talked to so many people who have said things like, well, yeah, that happened to you or that happened to me or that's what guys do or that's what guys do when they grow up. And my question is, when do we shift that narrative? Mm -hmm. Because if we're going to say he shouldn't have to be accountable for something he did then, 
I don't, it's funny because I saw this on Facebook too. Someone posted like, I'm not sure, but I kind of would like guys who are 17 right now to recognize that the things they do at 17 will follow them around. Absolutely. Like that might be a good thing. And girls for that matter, like our history does impact impact our future. Yes. And especially if, and again, it's very, it's very challenging because there was another story that was shared earlier last week that I found really interesting because there was a girl who came forward later in life in her thirties or forties, a woman, excuse me. And she had reached out to a boyfriend who had sexually assaulted her, like basically taken advantage of her while she was asleep Mm -hmm. and something that she had experienced a lot of trauma over after they had broken up. She reached out to him and said, this happened you know, do you remember this? And initially he was like, I don't even remember. He called her back the next day and said, I remember. And I didn't even know that 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 impacted you. And I am so sorry. And she said they had a two hour conversation and she explained how it felt for her and what he was doing and how he said, why, you know, he doesn't remember everything, but that he didn't even know that he was crossing a line. And he's, and my point is, is it sometimes it's not about Everyone needs to be thrown in jail. Mm-hmm. It's about someone recognizing our story right. because she didn't report him. Then they actually maintained a they had a conversation and then maintained a friendship. Yeah. And he was he saw her and he saw what he did as being wrong. Mm-hmm. That is what what women are looking for is: Do you see me? Yeah. Do you hear me? Do I matter? Right. And when someone says, "I didn't do it. I didn't even. Not only did I not do it, but you're making it up and you're trying to, you know." Mm-hmm. That's when it becomes, oh my God, why would I put myself out there? Well, and I um, I have two experiences as an adult man and um, one, uh, without getting into sp- specifics, um, there's varying degrees of sexual assault, which is a whole nother show. Correct. So I don't want to get into that part. But I, one time uh, I was, I, I think, assaulted and I did not, and I have told two people now, mm-hmm. one with the specifics of the situation. One is my, my friend, Mike, mm-hmm. and I told you a month ago, Right. I held on to that story for 23 years and I told two people. So, and then another incident happened that was just a, a much weirder in, incident, yeah. um, where it was, uh, it was, doesn't matter. And that one I kind of told right away just because of the circumstances of that. But there's a, so when it it makes sense to me because I have been a victim of this and there's most women out there probably have a lot more stories than I do. So I'm not trying to say, well, I know what you live through because I don't, but I at least have a glimpse of it Mm -hmm. and I, I understand why. And your story, like you said, like your story sits alone as it is, meaning that there's no reason to 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 do a comparison mm-hmm. of pain. But the piece that you have to add to women's is the power dynamic. Yes, is that you, the experience that you had for being scary? I was, there was an adult man, and and it is and it was horrible. But oftentimes, women not only are having that experience, but they're overpowered sure. by the person. So there's no, yeah, you're harmed. Mm-hmm. You're you can be physically harmed. You like you think she, you could die. You think you're gonna die. You you do, or you think that you there's no way out, or yeah. that you're being held down yeah. literally. So right. you don't have choices. Right. 
that that there is the choices are not there. And that's the kind of the nuance of it because I wasn't be- being held down by any, either of my two situations. But it still affected you. It sure impacted so me. So when someone says, "Oh, it's no big deal. It's horseplay." Imagine being having someone cover your mouth, mm-hmm. hold you down. Mm-hmm. You know they're intoxicated, so they're not fully together. Mm-hmm. There's another man in the room and they're trying to take your clothes off. Yeah. And someone says, "Oh, that's horseplay." No. That's oh scary and that is traumatizing and that is and if she hadn't been able to run out of the room other things Could I think happened. she ran in the bathroom and so but we we say but that happened to me too therefore it shouldn't bother her she's actually standing up and saying she's role modeling she's role modeling um, and again, it's not about criticizing what we did or sure. didn't do, but she's actually creating an opportunity for women to say, mm-hmm. wait a second, that shouldn't have happened to me rather than I brought it on myself or rather than everybody has had that experience. Because if we've all had that experience, isn't it time for it to stop? Yeah. Because I know I'd like it to. So I want to play this clip from Charles Blow. Yeah. But before I do that, I do want to say that we just... Um, uh, worked with our local Elmhurst library. So if there's anybody in Chicago that is, um, that is interested, we're screening a movie called I am evidence on Tuesday, I think December 4th. So go to our website and it's about the amazing amount of rape kits that are sitting in a warehouse and nothing happens to them. Basically, I am evidence. And again, Mariska Hargitay, who's on a Law & Order Special Victims Unit, she's the executive producer of it and she's also in it. And it's just a documentary about, it's bigger than, it, and Todd's right, it is about the amount of rape kits that are sitting all over our nation that aren't even being touched. But it's about the deeper reason behind it. We don't view rape or sexual assault of women as being an issue. No. And if we did, we would be using all that evidence yeah. because once people, and again, the, the women are highlighted in the documentary, once women come forward and say, we need to start utilizing this evidence and they start using it, all of a sudden they're catching all these serial rapists. Mm-hmm. But before that, yeah. nobody cared. Yeah. So it's the step beyond it's not the rape kits. It's about why didn't we care about this women's experience? Why weren't they important? Mm-hmm. Why don't we value what a woman is telling us? And that's, the again, the thinking before that we need to question. Right. When were we taught that women's experiences aren't either real, valuable, or important? So... Um this is not happening at a movie theater. It's happening at a library, and I know seats are limited. I encourage, um, if if we get there and it's a bunch of women in the room, I'm gonna I'm gonna go crazy. Ted, it's going to be. You know, it's Guys, going to be. Guys, show up. Please show up. Bring your teenage sons. Yes. You know, this is not. If it's just women in this room, I'm gonna go nuts. Just please, guys, show up. Moms, bring your sons. Dads, bring your sons. Bring your daughters. Yikes. <laughs> All I gotta say. Let's let's get mad about it before it happens. Yeah. And the only reason I'm saying you know it's going to be is have we ever had an experience where we have had Well, my story of when we showed the mask you live in, which is all about toxic masculinity and things like that, it was ninety percent women. And I'm just like, I'm I'm not I'm not impacting the way I want to impact this community. Well, and you know, you you can't do it single-handedly first of all, and it's not like it's not out of disregard for you or it's it is again Tadiko, it's Hunting Ground, same thing. The, the Hunting Ground, which is a movie about the epidemic of sexual assault on college campuses, that wasn't even a men-woman thing, that was a 
population thing. We usually get about 200 some odd people at our uh, screenings. And I think we had 70. 75. It, it was, that was really interesting because I, well, we worked our tails off to get that movie here. Like we got it. We were so excited because I knew that movie was coming out and I knew how impactful it was going to be. And we paid a lot of money for it. We're like, let's do this. Mm-hmm. And people were saying, oh, it's too heavy of a topic. Yeah, I can't. And I was like, for I can't deal. crying in the dark, like this is like, you either deal with it now <laughs> or you deal with it when your son uh, has an experience of something that happened in college or your daughter. Like, deal with it now. And here's the thing I'm hearing from my friends who have sons, okay? Is they're like, how would you feel? They, they like to point to that I don't have a son, so I don't understand. Yeah, you wouldn't get it. I sweetie. wouldn't get it. Um, is that they said, what if your son got blamed for something? Oh, my gosh. It would be horrible. It would be terrifying. There's no like, there's no part of me that would go, well, I'd just send him to jail. I mean, it would be horrible. Mm -hmm. But what about offering this information? Because they are, all men and women are potential perpetrators, right? So why not start that conversation so that doesn't, so we can maybe create some distance between that happening and not not talking about it Mm -hmm. isn't helpful. Pretending that our sons would never be the ones who would do it. Cause I'm saying our sons, meaning every, every mother and father out there say, my son wouldn't do this yet. Men are doing it all the time. So who are these people? And again, I'm not, it's not a specific person. It's again, girls and women have been perpetrators too. We have to talk to, and victims. We have to, to, or survivors. That's the people don't, the women I work with don't like to be called victims, you know, cause that makes them feel disempowered survivors. We have to have this conversation with potential perpetrators and potential survivors so we know that we've at least shared the information and had the conversation, taking them to this movie. So um, if you don't live in the Chicagoland area, I have good news. This is all I did. I went to IamEvidenceTheMovie.com, and it says screenings. You click on screenings, and if you can partner up with your library it's 90 bucks. Usually when Kathy and I do these screenings, it's like $750 licensing yeah. fees, takes another 750 or 500 to rent out the movie theater. You can do this for 90 bucks if you partner up with your library. Yeah. Same goes for the mask you live in. I don't know what their licensing licensing thing is, but those are two really good resources. So, you know, part of the mission that Kathy and I have regarding this podcast is to spread awareness of something that we could do. Like don't don't get mad that that you don't live in Chicago, so you can't go see the movie, call up your local library saying, I would like to screen this film. Yeah, and then just have a bunch of people. Our library ended up saying, you know, we'll we'll handle that, right? Yeah, they're, handle pay, the they're paying the 90 bucks. It's not costing us a dime. So the thing is, is ask your library to screen it and then tell people to come. And maybe there'll only be 10 people. It's 10 more people than didn't right. see it. Like, we're... It's not so much about you need to gather many, many numbers. It's what can we do to... Um, shine a light on something because like Todd said, this topic is so multi-layered that we have to come at it from every single direction. We have to talk about toxic masculinity. We have to talk about um, the patriarchy. We have to talk about women standing up and having a voice. We have to talk about- Consent. consent. What is consent? I'm still, I'm reading Mike Domish's book right now because I want to be not an expert, but I want to have a deeper understanding of what consent means. Because when I was growing up, as we all know, as you go as far as you can until the girl says no. And I know Mike would even not like that language because it's not about man or woman. It's about one person to another. You can just say that was your experience. That was my experience. Yeah. Um, what consent, as I'm understanding it is, is an affirmative yes. Yes. 
which means you cannot you cannot give consent if you're under the influence of alcohol Correct. or drugs, right? which means even if the person says yes, if they're under the influence, they can wake up the next morning and say, you assaulted me. Well, here's the thing. I think that the thing about alcohol is because it's so normalized yeah. and it's become such a crutch for sexuality in high school and college and even beyond, is that we've normalized it so much that we think I should be able, if I do that when I'm under the influence, then that shouldn't be a problem. Here's the problem, though. We already know, again, take a step back. If you drink before you drive a car and you drive a car and you hit someone or get in an accident, can you say, I was under the influence, though, so therefore I shouldn't have to deal with this? Yeah. Or m- my point is, is that even though for many people who say, oh, you mean like being drunk isn't a... Think of the amount of, it, by that definition, how many experiences at a college are consensual? At least the ones that I was surrounded with, Every, most people were drunk. Yeah. Some people were having sex. Most of those experiences did not get consent as the way it's been explained to me. Right. And and the thing is, is that it's not, again, I think whenever we talk about this and we talk about assault and consent, we use these words, we get afraid, like mm. everything is something that someone's going to go to jail for. Right. Take the law part out of it just for a second, and let's talk about the emotional part and the trauma that people experience after these experiences, where a a woman or a girl could say, okay, I was drunk too, I put myself in that situation, but I feel like this was forced upon me, and that there was an expectation, and that I felt powerless in this situation. Even having that conversation to acknowledge that woman's pain is a start yeah. uh, because I think a lot of times we jump to, okay, everybody should be in jail mm. <laughs> or that everybody needs to be prosecuted right. by the Black law. Black and white. Black, and let's just talk about the emotional experience because a lot of people are saying right now, again, this black and white uh, discussion around what we should do about this, the Supreme court, um, nominee is people are saying, you know, this is way past the time that he can be prosecuted. So what's the point? It's not all about prosecution. Yeah. It's about, first of all, this person's character. Mm-hmm. And I don't know about you. Um, it, well, I'm not going to go down there. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not going there. Um, but that her, regardless of what the time limit is, was still traumatized. Did you know that Christine Blasey Ford ended up studying trauma? Mm-hmm. You just told me that. For her doctorate? Yeah. Yeah. So isn't that interesting? What a strange coincidence. What a strange coincidence that this woman ended up saying, I'm going to go study clinical psychology and focus on trauma. Um, That is interesting. Mm -hmm. That's all I'll say. Um, So, you know, so anyway, Uh, let's let's go to to Charles Blow. Charles Blow is a New York Times columnist, and he shares um, a quick story. It's, I think, about two minutes. about sexual assault and why women don't come forward. Okay, let's hear it. The Republicans did. Well, I, I don't know. Where, I don't know how the, the 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 memo moved around. Right. Right. So I just can't speak on that. I do believe, however, that we have to all take a step back and be respectful of Professor Ford. This is not only, if it is true, a sexual assault. It is a childhood sexual assault. And if you have never been the victim of a childhood sexual assault. Everybody needs to calm down and take a step back. Stop asking why she didn't say anything. I was victim of a childhood sexual assault, right? Not news. I wrote it in my book in four, in four years ago. First time I told somebody was 17 years later. A stranger. Next time I told somebody was two years after that. Next time I told somebody was eight years after that. 
It was 37 years before I told everybody in the world in a book. You can't, I understand how if this happened to her, she could remember everything in that room and not the day. I don't remember the day. I know it was in my home, so that's the only way I, only way I know where it is. I don't remember the day. I don't remember who else is in my, my family. It must have been there because it's our home. But when we start asking these ridiculous questions about why didn't she say something, she became a professional and adult. I was at columns at the New York Times and nobody knew a thing. Didn't say a word. For us, it is a living thing that lives in our bodies, right? That you, you, are, you wrestle with it all the time. I can't say that I thought about it every day, but I thought about it all the time. It was a living memory. It, do, it didn't move in my brain like other memories do to the back where it starts to fade. You're, talking, you're thinking about it all the time, so all of that minutia, he stood there, they turned right. the music, all of that is alive in you. So let me ask right? you something. So, so when, when people start saying, we gave her a week, that's, that's right. a crazy thing to say to someone who has just... All right. Another thing that I will mention regarding, first of all, that's so powerful, Charles Blow, that interview. Yeah. He's so vulnerable. Yes. So willing well, to share. You could almost see his, like, vo her, hear his voice crack a little bit. He sounds like a child. Yes, he does. He goes back to child. That was going to be my point, is that why he's talking about childhood trauma is that any time we experience a trauma... We have the potential, This is, and I shouldn't say every time, we have the potential to get emotionally stuck yeah. in that period of time. Like a lot of people who become addicts, um, when they start drinking or when they start doing drugs, they can get emotionally stunted yeah. at that period of their life because there is no growth, because there's so much pain and trauma. This is just something we know clinically, like this isn't, you know, maybe not news for those of you who are listening, but he, when he tells the story, becomes like a different person, like a child. Yeah. And that, and so when we talk about why didn't someone do this, emotionally, that memory is still stuck in being 15. And a 15-year-old doesn't feel like an empowered 40-year-old woman. Right. And so why this, going back to the title of this podcast, tell me why you didn't report, why we need to ask the question is you don't know. Don't apply your life experience on someone else. And don't assume that because you think it and see it a different way, that they should see it your way. So so I guess maybe said in another way of yeah. what you're trying to say, guys, don't have an opinion. <laughs> well, just, no. Just don't listen. Do that, Let me finish. Mm, okay. Ask first. Okay ask. Right. We're so quick to express what our take is on mm. whatever situation is we're talking mm. about. I see. Start You're saying asking questions first. And then if you have some awarenesses, talk to other men about it. I did this. I had an exchange with a good friend of mine who is like, I don't understand why it took her this long to come out. And I had a I'm like, well, you know, I, I did my best to kind of hear what his take was, but then I felt compelled to kind of express my very strong opinion, and we kind of left with an agree to disagree. And then I sent him a text the next day, and I said, listen, I just want to reinforce what I said, that we don't have any clue what the impact is of coming out. We just kind of, we just kind of gloss over the emotional impact of this. And uh, so if, if you, if you believe in some of the things that Kathy and I are talking about and you're a guy, have 
the courage, because it wasn't easy for me to challenge my buddy. It's not easy. It's easier to be quiet. It's easier to not say anything. It's easier to even another, I've had two text exchanges, um, very interesting ones. And I had an opportunity to either kind of just fall to the side and let them think what they're going to think, or I was going to stand up and, and explain my viewpoint. And in both, I explained my viewpoint. It wasn't easy. And, and, you know, like, what is the cost of me bringing this up? My buddies might think of me a little bit differently. There's nothing to do with the impact that a survivor might have. Mm -hmm. And if I have a hard time saying my story or my opinion, imagine how hard it is to say a real story where you are, where something did happen to you. Right. And you know, the only reason I, I push back on you saying don't have an opinion is... Wait another for opinion. Right. The, the other thing that we discuss on this show is there are certain things that people are going to get instantly defensive about. Yeah. And you have to have some emotional intelligence. And to say to men, don't have an opinion, isn't going to land, Todd. The, the thing, what you're saying is have ask some questions. Ask. Of course you can have an opinion, but ask some questions and see if it alters mm -hmm. your opinion. Yeah. Because all you have is all you have, yeah. meaning you have the information of your life, what it's like to walk through the world as a cisgender white male. You know that. I am, you don't know what it's like to walk through the world as a woman or a woman of color or a man who is uh, who you know identifies as being gay. And so instead of pretending you do, ask the questions. Tell me. Here's the hard part. Uh I agree with you, and you probably said a little bit better than I did. I grew up in a society where I have been invited to share my opinion and to be opinionated and to be decisive and to, I, I just have this power, this, this. It is power. Use that word. Yeah. Unwarranted, um, unearned power because of the color of my skin and because of my sexuality and because I'm a man. And it's. For us guys, it's it's weird to even take the time to ask questions and listen because we're so used to being reinforced that, hey, your opinion matters. Go ahead and say it. And for us guys, it's hard to break that pattern. So, but we can. We have the capacity to sit back. You know, when Dr. Duff, John Duffy and I did that Me Too thing at the Downers Grove Dads group. What, what was a Me Too thing? Explain to me. Talked about what hashtag Me Too means to us white men, straight white men, and how we can be a solution to this problem instead of a bystander to it. And I said, if you guys do nothing else upon leaving tonight's event, go home and ask your wife what her experience is with sexual harassment and sexual assault. And most guys that I have talked to haven't done that yet. I think that would be step one. And that goes back to this show. Tell me, tell me about your experience. Tell me what you, what you felt. And, and again, I know you've told me that some men you've talked to, they've talked to their wives and their wives have said, nothing has happened to me. Rarely, but yes. Yes. And that is, that's okay too. We don't have to like be searching for, mm -hmm. no, no, no. You were, there are some women who have been able because of their circumstances who have not experienced something that they would define personally as harassment or assault. And that's okay. Like that's not something we need to be like, Safe no. Safe to say those are the minority. Though. They definitely are the minority, at least in my experience. Now I've been a social worker majority of my life. So my, my perspective is very skewed, mm -hmm. meaning I talk to more people who have uh, dealt with trauma 
and who have been assaulted because that's also my profession. Um, but I would say that, you know, this whole idea of, and again, I'm going to take a really quick turn, but then we'll come back around is this idea of tell me or talk to me instead of me deciding how you should feel. Mm -hmm. Obviously it applies when it comes to things like sexual assault and harassment, obviously it, it also applies to our parenting. Yeah. It applies to our romantic relationships. Like, um, you know, we had a few experiences in the last couple of days where one of our daughters was really upset, really upset, really upset. And we can, as adults, look at her and say, you shouldn't feel this way. We yeah. can look at her through our adult lens and say, you shouldn't feel this way. You should be grateful or you shouldn't, you don't have the right to cry or you don't know what pain feels like. But instead, if we hold on to that impatience, meaning we don't go down that route and we become curious and say, tell me, tell me why you're sad. Tell me, I want to know. I want to learn more about you. Yes. I want to learn where you are in your thinking and what, you don't say all these words. These are just what you say to yourself about her. That is an opportunity for connection and understanding. So this whole tell me thing is universal. Mm -hmm. And what I was saying before the beginning of the show, how we have to go back before the thought process of I deserve to say this or I have the right to my opinion or you shouldn't feel that way or why wouldn't you report. The step before that is where did that bias or unconscious bias come from? And can we own it and own up to it rather than um, defend it? Yeah. Can we just say, oh, maybe I didn't get all the information? Because I'll tell you, I feel like for the past two or three years, I've spent more time reading about everybody else's story rather than Kathy's. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like I spent a lifetime focusing on Kathy's story. You know, this is the way I see the world. This is how I experience the world. And now I feel like what I'm attempting to do, I hope successfully, is say, how does this person experience the world? How does someone um, who who grows up here experience the world? How does somebody who is African-American experience the world or see this situation differently? That is what creates connection. Mm -hmm. It's like the next layer. It's like questioning our own yeah. bias or belief systems that are so ingrained. And a lot of times we just say things like, well, that's just the way I am. Mm -hmm. Why? Yeah, go go a layer below. Correct. And ask why. Um, so yeah, if I can have a do-over on what I said, I wouldn't say don't have an opinion, guys. I would say withhold it. Temporarily. And, temporarily and ask some questions and get curious. And what is it that you have to learn from this exchange that you're having with whomever, as opposed to being defensive or or wanting to win an argument uh, or just having a sense of closed-mindedness. Just be open to to something different that might enter your psyche because until we start asking those questions, it's going to be much harder for us to make any changes. And, you know, going back to what you said about how you grew up in a world that expected you to have answers and expected you to have power and expected you to speak up. And, you know, like one statistic we know is that after fourth grade, 
girls stop raising their hand as much. Boys continue to raise their hand more. Um, actually, just in even in the Ruth Bader Ginsburg um, documentary, and again, this was a long time ago when she was in law school, but when she was in law school, she went to Harvard, and they have the Socratic method. Is mm-hmm. that what it's called? And there weren't many women there. I think in her own class, there's only nine, where now it's almost 50-50. Right. But the professors wouldn't even call on the women. The professors wouldn't because even... Because they thought they were too fragile. Too fragile to handle it. And so when men grow up in a world like that, where they are the ones with the power and they're the ones that are viewed as needing to have an opinion... Or that woman who entered the Boston Marathon, the first woman oh, who entered yeah. the Boston Marathon. Was her, I think Catherine, her, her yeah. husband ran with her. And then the organizer of the race was so mad, he like tried to... like. <laughs> remove her from the race he while she was running. He literally started running. There's pictures of it. Yes. It's unbelievable. And he like tried to pull her out of the you're race. You're a woman. There's no way you can run 26.2 miles. Your your women legs just won't do it. Your women legs won't do it. And she entered the race with a um, uh, initials so they wouldn't know. Uh, yeah. And, you know, same thing. That's why J.K. Rowling... Mm-hmm. Still used J.K. Rowling because she didn't think anyone would publish her book if she was writing about a boy. Yeah. Yet... All movies, not anymore, but historically speaking, all movies about women and girls have been written by men. But here's this woman writing this amazing story that has become the most, you know, and she had to be careful and write under, you know, JK. And, you know, one of my favorites um, is, uh, and again, this is just having fun with questioning our biases here, but like Reese Witherspoon did this speech about four years ago at this glamour event um, and she said the, the quote that drives me crazy when I either hear it in a movie or read it in a script is when at the point where there's some crisis and the woman looks at the man and says, what do we do now? Mm. And she said, I've even trained my daughter to look for that in movies. And my daughter will be like, she's saying it, mom. She said, what woman do you know who looks at someone and says, what do we do now? There, Women know what to do in a crisis. Isn't there a good Amy Schumer skit where like they're in movies and she's just like on the phone? Yes, like it's my distressed. favorite. What is that? What is the name so of that it, skit? It, that came out last year. I don't know the name, but basically it's Amy Schumer and Laura Linney and just a bunch of great actresses yeah. who their only role in the movie is to be on the phone saying, come home to me. Yeah. Come home to me. And it's funny because we saw that skit. And then we watched Sully the next weekend, Sully with Tom, uh, not Tom Cruise, Tom Hanks, when he's, you know, Sully Sullenberger, the, uh, the attend, the, uh, airline pilot who lands that plane in the water. And Laura Linney, I think it's Laura Linney is actually his wife and her only roles are her on the phone saying, come home to me. You know, like we just diminish what a woman actually does. It's not an accurate portrayal you know, what woman says, what do we do now? Like women at home are constantly dealing with crisis and we don't honor it because we don't, you know, the stories that are being written about women, there is no understanding. So ah, there's so many directions that this goes, but, um, oh, do you know what time it is? Game time. Game time. It's nine ten. I know, but study dance at Carnegie Mellon to become a flight attendant to clean bathrooms. Well, at least give us some food. Negative. Those potato chip bags are designed to be open in flight. You open them at sea level, somebody could be killed. Carol. That was from uh, 30 Rock? Yes. I'm trying to think if there's any other good lines in this little clip, but 
Uh, what's the name of the episode we just watched? I wanted the books to slide off. That's right. Um, that episode with Matt Damon, that's yes. called Double-Edged Sword. Look at Sweatpants Guy. This is a $90 million aircraft, not a Tallahassee strip club. Stuart, 2118, that guy. Excuse me, Mr. Sweatpants. We're going to need to check that bag. I don't know if those lines translate if you've never seen that episode, but if you want to laugh, go to Netflix. So why? what made you think of that? Because you talked to... about uh, Tom Hanks and Sully, and, and then there's oh. that line where Matt Damon says, a good pilot would have missed those birds. <laughs> don't hit birds. Yeah. That's what good pilots do. <laughs> um, yes, that is. But it's funny because now my children like 30 Rock, and it's really made my life better? much, much, much better. So a few things. One is uh, Jeremy Kraft from Avid Company. He does painting and remodeling throughout the Chicagoland area. Uh, his website is avidco.net, 630-956-1800. He's a bald-headed beauty. If you got any projects coming up, give him a call and tell him Todd and Kathy sent you. And the conference, uh, 2019 conference, March 8th and 9th. Uh, we have Glennon Doyle. We have Abby Wambeck. We have Julie Lithcott-Hames. And we have Devorah Heitner and possibly some other um, people who will be coming in that we're excited to have at our conference. So um, get your tickets. I, there are three, I think three or four uh, tickets left for my pre-conference workshop. So if you planned on going, get your tickets now. Uh, ZenParentingConference.com. I also want to say before I bail um, that this conversation that Todd and I have that's so intense about something that we may feel really distant from, you know, the Supreme Court nomination or asking women why they don't report sexual assault, this has everything to do with our parenting hmm. because these kind of experiences inform our parenting. What do we talk to our children about? How do we recognize our own unconscious bias? How do we talk to each other's partners? Todd and I had an intense conversation on Saturday night about emotional labor again. We didn't get to that. Not today, but we talk about it all the time and it doesn't always go well. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of times it's Todd's like, I don't understand that. Or I say, can't you see this differently? And it gets not heated where we get into an argument, but they're not easy conversations. Right. But all... All I'm, all I'm intending to do, and I guess I'm talking to Todd when I'm saying this, it's not about winning. It's about can both of us open our minds to an alternative perspective? So instead of coming into a situation thinking we know everything already, right. can we be open-minded enough? Again, it's it's the empty cup or the Buddha mind. Yeah. Can we come in with some space to actually hear another perspective? That's what's going on in our world right now. That's what goes on in our parenting. That goes on in our marriage. And something as simple as this morning, our daughter being upset. Instead of telling her why she shouldn't be, what if we just said, how can I support you? Or what am I not seeing? Yeah. Because by the time she went to school, she was fine. Yeah. We were laughing about, you know, yeah. other things. So I guess the point is, is that it's not easy, but it's doable. Um, Subscription-based uh, Team Zen uh, virtual community. Um, we have a Zen talk this Friday. So if you're interested in uh, trying out Team Zen, go to zenparentingradio.com and click on Team Zen. So that's about it. Uh, we will say you guys keep trucking and we'll be talking to you next Tuesday. Have a good one. Adios. Thanks for listening, everyone. Remember to subscribe to Zen Parenting Radio so you never miss an episode and feel free to leave a review on iTunes. It helps people find us. If you want more Zen parenting, check out Team Zen. It's 25 bucks a month where you'll get two live Zen talks with an opportunity to ask us live questions. If you can't join us live, don't worry. 
You can still access all Zen Talks through the Team Zen Podcast app. You'll have access to all previous Zen Talks, connect with like-minded people through our private Facebook page, and get discounts on everything that we offer. Get your tickets for our annual Zen Parenting Conference on March 8th and 9th, 2019. Sweet. Get your brave on with Glennon Doyle, Abby Wambeck, Julie Lithcott-Hames, and Devorah Heitner, and enjoy a weekend in a warm and friendly environment of like-minded people. Tickets are available at zenparentingradio.com. Sweetie, it's going to be off the hook. I know. Um, interested in inviting us to speak at your conference or organization? Go to zenparentingradio.com and submit a speaker request. While you're there, check out our upcoming events, or you can purchase one of my three books. They're not your three books. Well, your three books. Thank you. If you ever shop via Amazon, you can help us out by first going through the Amazon link under the support us on our homepage. It doesn't cost you anything, but we get a small commission from Amazon. Um, guys, want to achieve a better work-life balance or deepen your relationship with loved ones? Good news. I coach guys. We can talk in person, by phone, FaceTime, you choose. If you're in Chicago, contact me about the tribe. It's an opportunity for guys to come together and talk about what really matters. And don't forget about our 2019 Unplug, Connect, and Transform Retreat. More, more on that later. Special thanks to our founding partner, Jeremy Kraft, from Avid Painting and Remodeling. Thanks for your love and support, Jeremy. Sweetie, he's a bald head of beauty. I know this. All right, everybody, keep trucking. See you next week. Adios. <laughs>